0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you have your Bibles already in hand, turn with me please to the Gospel of John chapter 14. As we begin this first sermon in a series of four, The Realities of Heaven, I want to speak this morning on the subject, The Real Presence of Heaven the real presence of heaven. Probably one of the most familiar passages in all of the Bible that pertains to heaven. You're very well familiar with this text. I want you to follow along with me because I'm going to read for you John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus is speaking, and he is saying these words. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Wow. Incredible words. As I have already said, this message will probably be the most simplest of all to follow. As we think about the scripture before us today, the majority of this world believes that the line, the timeline of human existence is threefold. The majority of the world believes that we're born, we live, and we die. But really, that's only half of the story. We're born, we live, we die, and then we either go to heaven or hell. Now, that's a huge thing that I want you to think about this morning. And I realize that that's not a popular opinion today of life and death. But I can assure you, friend, that eternity is not based upon what we think or how we feel. That's critical. You would be amazed at some of the ideas that people have about death. I speak all the time in different places and one of the most amazing places that God has allowed me to share the gospel and to help people to know exactly how to get to heaven is in funerals that I preach. And as many years as I have been preaching funerals and talking to people in circumstances where they're facing the passing of their loved one, you would be amazed at some of the theories and ideologies that people are literally holding on to today about life and death. Some people believe that when a person dies, that they are just lowered in the ground, and that's the end of the story. Their life is over. Some people believe that when a person dies that they are... Somehow supernaturally, spiritually ushered into a place called purgatory where either their family will work them out, pray them out, buy them out, some type of an advancement. Some people believe this, and one of the leading actresses of modern times, Shirley MacLaine, is one of the many that believe this ideology that when you die that you are reincarnated and come back another person to live life in its circle all over again. They actually believe that if you were a man in this life, you can die and come back and live life all over again as a woman and vice versa. So many people have different ideas at what happens to death, but I assure you, friend, that we are born, we live, we die And we are ushered into eternity. We will either go to heaven or hell. Now listen very carefully. When God breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, according to the word of God, man became a living soul. Now I want you to listen carefully to that. A living soul. The soul that every one of us are born with is eternal. You have to get that spiritual truth in your heart. Every one of us have an eternal soul. That simply means this, that at the point of death in our life, our eternal soul will live somewhere forever. Now, that's the thing that you have to get in your heart and your mind. And in a world filled with so much knowledge and technology, with the universities and colleges that we have all over the world, pastors and preachers and scholars and theologians, and just about on every street corner you can find a church these days, the world is still filled with millions of people who have never once yet heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Now, I want you to think about that just for a moment. In fact, that's one of the very reasons why we at Buford Road Baptist Church are so engaged and involved in evangelism. That's why we at Buford Road Baptist Church place a huge emphasis on soul winning. That's why we have a soul-winning class in progress now. That's why Buford Road Baptist Church places a huge emphasis on missions because we believe that there are hundreds and thousands of people right here in our own community and all over the world that has never once yet heard the truth. Almost everywhere you look, you can find a church, one on every street corner, But let me tell you this, friend. It's one thing to have heard the gospel and it's another thing to have heard religion. While multitudes do not have the truth, most everybody that you talk to has religion. But I will tell you that Religion is one of the biggest vehicles that is taking people to hell on a daily basis. Man-made religions are springing up everywhere in this world. And in these multi-religions are depraved and deceiving views on the timeline of the human soul. In many people's mind, they... They refuse to accept that there is life after death. And for those who are willing to accept it, many of them have it wrong. For example, when it comes to hell, people actually believe that hell is just merely bad stuff that happens to them in life. For example, millions of people believe that hell is just simply relationships that have gone bad. Sometimes people think that hell is just ugly divorces, prodigal children, financial collapse, or circumstances because of government policies. But believe me today, friend, hell is not a situation. Hell is a place. I want you to get that truth. You say, well, pastor, I thought we were here today to talk about heaven. We are, but I don't believe that I could give it justice without giving you the entire picture this morning. Many people believe that hell is a place for only bad people. That's a terrible misconception. In fact, it's the farthest thing from truth. You might be shocked to know that hell is filled with a lot of good people today. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that only bad people die and go to hell. That's a false ideology. Please listen carefully. There's only one reason why a person will die and go to hell. Only one. The Bible says in John chapter 3, And if you look in verse number five, Jesus said it this way. Jesus answered, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus said it that way. He said, listen now, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is the only reason why a person will die and go to hell. Because he does not receive Christ as his personal savior. Now, another misconception about hell is this, that if I die and go to hell, there's got to be a way out of there. That a loving, merciful God will not leave a soul in hell forever. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 41. I don't know if you can turn there quick enough. Again, I will tell you that we're going to be looking at many scriptures today. And I have to move quickly. But it says this in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye curse. Notice this word now, into everlasting fire. It doesn't say temporary. Hell is not a temporary situation. Hell is an everlasting place. He said everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now listen carefully. As many people who are ignorantly wrong about hell, they are also ignorantly wrong about heaven. The atheist believes that heaven is an illusion of ignorant people who call themselves Christians. Liberal theologians say that heaven is simply a worn out, musty old idea from previous superstition and it does not fit in politically correct with the 21st century. Do you know that there are liberal theologians all over America? Some I have recently read about on the West Coast who are actually debating and some denying the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Buddhists believe that heaven is really a place called Narvana. That's something to them that is just a place of nothingness. But friend, let me tell you this. this is Those kind of things, those kind of thoughts that people go to the grave believing is one of the reasons why the Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. I'm telling you this. Because people are trying to get to heaven on every imaginable brainwave, on every imaginable thought, on every imaginable plane of life. Like in the Old Testament, the people were trying to build the Tower of Babel. I'm telling you that society, humanity is trying to build themselves their own way to heaven. That's why hell hath enlarged itself. People are breaking speed limits going there every day because they are trying to go their way and not God's way. I want to share with you this morning seven simple facts about heaven, the real presence of heaven, and I hope these will be a blessing to you. I hope that you'll take notes throughout the series. First of all, I want you to understand that heaven is indeed a real place. In John chapter 14, verse number two, Jesus said that. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, so I want you to understand that heaven is real. Not because just simply we have loved ones there and we want to think that they're doing wonderful today. And, and, and I'm not taking anything from that absolutely correct. But listen, heaven is real because Jesus Christ himself said it was real. Amen. And for those who choose to believe that heaven is a figment of imagination... Let me again say this according to the scriptures. Jesus did not say that I'm going to prepare you a dream. He didn't say that I'm going to prepare you an illusion. He didn't say that I'm going to prepare you some intellectual tranquility. He said, I am going to prepare for you a place. And so friend, I want you to understand today that heaven is just as real as 819 Buford Road. Heaven is real. It's a definite, divine, actual place. And it's not only a place, but it's the place where God himself dwells. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8, if you can get there quickly. I want you to understand that heaven is not only real, but it is the place where God dwells. Well, does the Bible say that, Pastor? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the scriptures I'm going to give you is in first Kings chapter eight, verse number 30. Notice what the word says. And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel. When they shall pray towards this place and hear thou in heaven, look at, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. And when thou hearest, forgive. In the Old Testament, we're taught that heaven was the dwelling place of God. But not only in the Old Testament, in the New Testament as well. In fact, when Jesus was teaching the model prayer, the first part of that prayer was this, Our Father, which art in heaven. So heaven is not only a real place, but it's the place where God the Father dwells. Secondly, let me tell you this about heaven. Heaven is not only a real place, heaven is a revealing place. This is what I believe. I believe that those of us who are born again, washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it's our time, when it's our turn to die, and we all have an appointed time, by the way, unless the Lord Jesus Christ tarries his coming, unless, listen now, unless his coming it's soon where it could be today. It could be in the next 15 seconds. It could be tomorrow. Listen carefully. Unless the Lord Jesus returns for the church when you are alive and you're born again. Listen, every one of us will die. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. So every one of us have an appointment. We just don't know when that appointment is. But this is what I believe. I believe that when it's our turn to die and we are ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus, heaven is a revealing place. You know what it's going to reveal to us? I believe almost instantaneously, and that is this, just how short this earthly life really was. When we get there and we bask in the sunlight of God's beauty and the host That's there already assembled. We're going to look into the face of the Lord. The patriarchs of the faith. We're going to see our loved ones. Listen let me tell you. We're going to realize. Heaven is going to reveal to us. Just how short this life was. It's also going to reveal to us. That every mile of the way. It was worth it to be a Christian. Every step. It will reveal to us that. All that it holds. I am convinced of this. When we step inside the city and we see the Lord Jesus and we see what the Word taught us and how real that it is, I'm convinced that heaven will reveal to us almost instantly that we should have done more for the kingdom. While we were on the earth. I will tell you, sometimes we get so caught up in the mechanics of life, sometimes in the mechanics of church. I'm telling you, you know, we come, we come to church sometimes, we tote our Bibles in, we get our song book, we sing, sit down, we go through the message, look at our watch, think about lunch, the checkbook, what all this stuff means, and then we, we get in the car and go home. But listen, I'm convinced that one of these days, when it's our turn to step inside Chili Jordan, and we fear no evil because God through the Holy Spirit comforts us, we are ushered immediately into the presence of God, we will know instantly. Heaven will reveal to us instantly, this is real. I should have taken it seriously. I should have done more. Instantly. We will realize that. Heaven's not only real, but heaven is a revealing place. Not only is it a revealing place, but it's a remarkable place. Notice John chapter 14 again. Jesus said this, in my Father's house are many mansions. Many mansions. If it were not so, he said, I go to prepare you place. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Heaven's a remarkable place. I wish I could even come close to describing it to you. Even the apostle Paul himself struggled with that. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want you to notice with me in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse number nine, the Bible says this, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now look at that. Paul said, I have a trouble. He said, I have a, I'm not really adequate in describing to you what heaven looks like. It's a remarkable place. The Bible tells us that in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heaven and the earth. In fact, if you study that, you'll know that he did that in six days. Now here's the thing that I want you to think about. God is the builder of heaven. Jesus is the master carpenter. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 2, he said, I go and prepare a place for you. Now, here's the thing that you might not be made aware of, but I want you to get this truth this morning. Jesus is in the process right now of building in two different locations. So preacher, I've never heard that before. That's correct. I'm going to show you what I mean in just a minute. Listen carefully. I want you to follow with me. Jesus is in the process right now of building in two different locations. What do you mean, preacher? Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 for a moment. And I want to show you the story of Peter's great confession. It occurred in a little place called Caesarea Philippi. Those of you that have been to the Holy Land with me on several occasions, I have had the privilege of Having you in this place, we have had a service in Caesarea Philippi. It was where John and Andrew had brought Peter after they had heard and believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Andrew found his brother Peter. They took him to this little place called Caesarea Philippi. And you know the story. Jesus asked them the question, who do men say that I am? Notice Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias or Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, notice verse 18, look at it carefully. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Do you see that? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the interesting thing about this is, according to this passage, Jesus is building a house for himself on the earth. The house that he is building for himself on the earth is the church. You see, the church is not the building. The church is not the pews. It's not the pulpit. It's not the instruments. The church, according to the Greek, the word church is ecclesia. That means a called out assembly. Jesus said, upon this rock himself, I will build my church. You see, Jesus Christ right now is building a house for himself on the earth. And that house that he's building on the earth Is the church. It's you and I. Jesus is building a house for himself on the earth, but he's building a house in heaven for us. Somebody say amen. You see, he's in the process of building in two different locations. That's remarkable. And the remarkable thing about the house that he's building for us, the mansion he's building for us in heaven, it will last for eternity. This is a great spiritual truth that I wish that people could get into their mind that not only is hell going to last forever, but heaven will last forever as well. Listen carefully. This is one of the very reasons why the devil does not want people to fully comprehend and understand the truth about eternity because he does not want people to know and realize that heaven is forever. He wants people to think that this world This present world is all that there really is. And this is why the devil tries to addict people to the pleasures of the world. He doesn't want them to know that there's a better place than this. He knows that if people would come into that realization of the truth, that There is a place where you can go, where you will never ever experience pain and heartache and death, where you can have eternal joy, where you can be with the Son of God. Listen, the devil knows that if people would embrace that truth, they would abandon his ideology. They would abandon his philosophy. They would abandon the world and turn to Christ. He knows that only wise people would make a choice like that. And so, friend, let me assure you today that if you're wise and if you have not already made that decision, I want you to understand that heaven is real, it's remarkable, it's revealing, and it's for you. Number four quickly this morning heaven is not only real, it's not only revealing, it's not only remarkable, but heaven is going to be a rewarding place. In my sermon series on Bible prophecy, I oftentimes preach the message about the judgment seat of Christ and how that when the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together and meet the Lord in the air. And I will be bringing this out again in January in our sermon on our prophetic Bible conference. But here's the thing that I want you to know. When we are translated, receive a glorified body, the trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together. We'll meet the Lord in the air. The very first thing that takes place after the resurrection, after the glorification, the very first thing that takes place is that the church, the born again believers, we will meet the Lord Jesus in the air. Aren't you glad for that? We'll meet him in the air. There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Hallelujah. At that meeting in the air, there will be the judgment seat of Christ. Not one lost person will be there. Only the blood-bought redeemed. We will stand in his presence and we will enter into a phase called the judgment seat of Christ. And according to the word of God, I'm not going to bring, up, bring them all out now, but the Bible does mention five crowns that a person can obtain. The judgment seat of Christ. But let me tell you this. I'm telling you that heaven is a rewarding place. But do you know what I believe the two greatest rewards of heaven will be? I don't know what motivates you in your spiritual life. I don't know what compels you to have your devotions, to come to church, to tithe, to sing in a choir, sing these specials, knock on doors, engage yourself in missions. I don't know what motivates you to do that, but I can tell you this morning, the thing that motivates me as a pastor and I've been preaching for over 32 years most of them right here and I will tell you the thing that motivates me to do what I do every day is two words when I die I step into Chile Jordan and I make that crossing and I stand in his presence. The thing that motivates me is for the Savior to lean my way and say, well done. Well done. Because I know that if I hear those words, I have lived every day of my life trying to please him and bring honor and glory. That's all I'm interested in. But do you know what the second greatest reward of heaven is going to be? You may have never thought about this before. But I believe in all of my heart that the greatest reward, the ultimate reward in heaven beyond hearing the words, well done, I think would be standing on the street of gold and someone woke up to you and say, hey, do you remember when you took the Bible, you took the time, you opened it up and you shared the glorious gospel of Christ with me? I'm here today because you took the time to tell me about Jesus. I'm telling you the greatest reward is when some poor, redeemed sinner comes your way and say, thank God for the day you shared grace with me. Woo! Oh, what could be greater than that? See, heaven's a revealing place. It's a rewarding place. But let me tell you something. It's a reuniting place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8, and you can get there quickly if you want to, or you can listen intently. Heaven is a reuniting place. I look out across this congregation. There are several people that I have recently preached funerals for. I see Sister Marie. I've just preached the funeral for her husband, Bob. And I was amazed as I was preparing for the funeral and talking with you and the family and so forth how that Bob at the age of 14 years old gave his heart to Christ in a Billy Graham crusade. In fact, Billy Graham baptized her husband. He was born with polio. And in the time of his life, they told him the only thing he wanted to do was play football. How did he play football with polio? But he overcame it to the point where her husband, who was born with polio, got a scholarship to play for Notre Dame. Recently, I preached... Sandy's husband's funeral. I stood there in that funeral home. Brian, I cannot tell you how my heart still still connects with you today. And when I stood in that funeral home and preached your daddy's funeral, when I gave the invitation, something that you and your mama and I had prayed about, somebody, somebody, somebody would come to Christ. And glory to God, 15 people in that funeral home gave their heart to Jesus. The thing that I want to comfort you to today, and I've preached funerals for many people in here, their loved ones, but I'll tell you this, heaven's a reuniting place. We stand at that grave, that's not goodbye. Goodbye. We stand at the grave and we do not weep as others who have no hope. We stand at that grave and we understand what you're reading in your Bible right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 8. The apostle Paul said this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. That every person who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen now. According to the word of God when they died their spirit, their soul went to heaven. Listen, there's going to be a grand reunion day. I believe, Marie, that if Bob could speak from the portals of glory, he'd whisper down, it's worth it all. Sandy, if Steve could speak from the portals of glory, he'd whisper down, just a little while longer, just a little while longer. Heaven is not only real, not only is it a revealing place, a remarkable place, a rewarding place, a reuniting place, but the last thing that I want to share with you this morning, in fact, let me say this, faith, it's a, it's a resolving faith. It's a resolving place. When you get to heaven, here's what you'll understand immediately as you are resolved And where you are because your faith no longer requires you to trust in the unseen. See, right now, our faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But when we get to heaven, we're going to exchange what we call faith for sight. Lastly, let me share this with you. Heaven is a reserved place. I was reading the other day, one of my favorite authors was writing a book and he was describing a situation and one of the modern time presidential elections and a group of pastors were meeting with some of these candidates and one of the pastors there was the late Dr. James Kennedy out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And he was asking one of the pastors some questions about heaven, they were having a discussion and one of the presidential candidates came by their way and Dr. Kennedy asked this question, sir, if you were to go to the gates of heaven and you were stopped at the gates and asked the question, what right do you have to enter through these gates of pearl, what would you say? And this presidential candidate pulled himself to his full stature and he looked into Dr. Kennedy's eyes and he said, well, I haven't been all that I should be, but I will tell them that if they let anybody, it ought to be me. The sad truth is, do you know that millions of people in this world today are dying and going into eternity with that mentality? I encourage you to listen very carefully right now. Being good or being a presidential candidate, being a good Samaritan, being wealthy, being famous has absolutely nothing to do with you going to heaven. I hope you get that truth. You see, you have to have a reservation. And the only way that you can get a reservation is to accept the invitation. The last invitation in the scriptures is found in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 17. And the Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I'm telling you this, we do not go to heaven because we're good. The word says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That's talking about eternal separation from God. But thank God he commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody say amen. amen. The only way that we can go to heaven is to have faith in Christ to receive him as our personal Savior. You see, heaven is a reserved place. No one gets there on an accident. No, No one will stumble into heaven. My question today is this. If you believe that it's real and you have never made your reservation, you say, well, Pastor, you know, I I've been a Christian all my life and I really don't remember a time I have not been in church. That's wonderful. But that has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with you being a born-again child of God. If you have not made your reservation, you say, well, Pastor, what we, you call it a reservation. What do we have to do? That brings us to this moment where every person ought to realize that this is the most important place, the most important question that you would ever be asked in your life. And so while we bow our heads in prayer and our musicians come, God's speaking to you. You might say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I have a reservation. I, I go to church when I can and, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Well, let me remind you, friend, that the Bible says that even the devils believe in God. The question is, have you ever trusted Him to be your personal Savior? And if that's never happened, I want to pray the prayer of faith with you right now. You might be sitting here and saying, you know what, I, I, I call myself a good person. I call myself a Christian. I call myself a good Samaritan. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross 2,000 years. Those are wonderful things, but I'm telling you, even the devils believe that. Have you made Jesus your personal Lord, your personal savior? You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.